Hey friends, Christine here, and I wanted to take a minute before today's podcast episode to invite you to partner with the Institute for Biblical Counseling and Discipleship during our end-of-year giving campaign. For the entire month of December, IBCD is asking our supporters, subscribers, and listeners like you to join us as we seek to strengthen the local church in one another care. By making a donation of any amount today, you make it possible for us to produce free resources like this podcast, which reaches a growing global audience. Would you prayerfully consider partnering with us by making a one-time or recurring donation to our ministry? Visit ibcd.org forward slash donate to help us reach our fundraising goal before the new year comes. Thank you so much for your ongoing support and patronage. Now let's get on with the show. Hey friends, my name is Christine Chapel, and you're listening to the Hope and Help podcast from the Institute for Biblical Counseling and Discipleship, where we host biblical conversations about life's challenging problems. In this episode, I chat with Lauren Whitman about her mini-book, Mom Guilt, Escaping Its Stronghold. For more help on the topics we discussed today, visit ibcd.org forward slash hope and help, where you can access notes from today's episode and browse related resources from our digital library. Before we get started, let me introduce you to our guest. Lauren Whitman is a counselor and faculty member at the Christian Counseling and Educational Foundation, also known as CCEF, where she has served for over a decade. She also serves as the developmental director of the Journal of Biblical Counseling and is the author of A Painful Past, Healing and Moving Forward, a biblical counseling process, and of course, the book we're talking about today, Mom Guilt. Lauren, her husband, and their two children make their home in the Philadelphia area. Hey there, Lauren. Thank you so much for joining us again for the Hope and Help podcast. It's really great to have you back. Oh, it's so good to see you. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm really excited, as always, to speak with you. It's been a while since we last had you on the show when we spoke about your 31-day devotional on a painful past, which I still love to this day, love to revisit that conversation. But for today's conversation, we are going to be talking about a new mini book that you recently released with New Growth Press on the topic of mom guilt. But I guess before we even get started, I wonder if you could share about why you wanted to write a mini book on this topic. Yeah, diving into this topic was a combination of seeing my own struggles uh, and hearing similar struggles from friends and uh, moms that I counsel. In the end, I can say I really needed to write this book because this experience of mom guilt is such a tough one to get out from under. And so when I started working on this material about 18 months ago, I think I was pretty stuck. Um, and I really needed to wrestle through the issue personally to understand what is driving this experience and what is the way out and what form does God's rescue take. And I think as I was working on it, what surprised me over and over again was that even as I was gaining insights and gaining tools to fight, that the struggle was really still so sticky, so hard to overcome. 
And I was still struggling so much, even as I was uncovering these ways to help. And that really just underscored for me how profound this struggle can be for some moms. And ultimately, as my own compassion grew for those of us who struggle with mom guilt, it gave me this deeper faith that God also has compassion for moms who get caught up in these hard feelings. So that's been just a sweet comfort. I can definitely relate. I think sometimes as moms, when we begin to uncover some of the layers of the different heart struggles that motherhood seems to bring to the forefront, you know, on one hand, it can be very eye-opening to learn what is going on, you know, at the heart level with some of these things, but then also can be very discouraging because you're like, well, I see it and I know this is going on, but why isn't it changing? And why am I still responding the same way or still having these mom guilt issues manifest in the way that they do. And so I wonder maybe if you could even help us to think more about how mom guilt might manifest itself in the everyday life of a mother. Because even before this morning, while I was getting ready, I told my husband I was going to be speaking to you on this topic. And he says, what's mom guilt? <laughs> and I'm like, well, it's kind of complicated. I want to go into it right now. But that's because you get to do that. So I'm going to invite you to, to go into what mom guilt is and how that might manifest in our everyday lives. Yeah. Well, I hope you do go back and answer his question. <laughs> actually, in the mini book, I actually end with like a letter to husbands and other people who support moms because I want I want other people in mom's lives to understand what this experience is like because it is so hard to overcome. We need help, right? And so. I actually seek that help by providing that letter. So do revisit. I'm thankful that he asked you. <laughs> um, and I also appreciate, yeah, you using that word every day, the everyday moments, because I think that starts to expose how mom guilt can be so intrusive. So you're having this everyday moment, like I'm dropping my kids off at school, but then I realize, oops, I forgot their mittens and it's a cold day. So on the one hand, some people might be able to say, no big deal, it happens, oh, maybe I need to run back. And that's probably a good way to process it, right? No big deal. But for strugglers, this can become a real battle and it can lead to thoughts of self-condemnation, to feelings of failure. So I'd say mom guilt can be intrusive in that sense because I'm a mom, I'm trying to do many things for my kids to get them out the door to school, but a mistake like this forgotten mittens now like intrudes upon my thoughts. Now I'm struggling in this everyday moment. And so I've just come to see how insidious mom guilt can be to intrude in this way. I think I've even noticed myself wrestling with some mom guilt, especially, you know, it's the holiday season and there are parties going on and it seems like all of the parties want you to bring something or get a gift or bake homemade from scratch cookies. And so sometimes even just the demands and the pressures that we have externally tempt us to think, well, gosh, am I a bad mom? I don't have the cookie recipes and the Christmas sweaters and PJs, you know, all coordinated. Yeah, definitely. I recently wrote a blog and the title was, is every occasion occasion for mom guilt? Because again, that's how intrusive it can be where these everyday moments where we, yeah, should be able to just move through them. Now we're we're struggling. And it's just, again, it could be overwhelming and, and discouraging and lots of occasions to feel that way. So I don't underestimate how hard the struggle can be. In the book, you help us to think a bit more about not only what mom guilt is, but how we can distinguish it from true guilt. So what do we know about true guilt? It comes after we have sinned and we know that God actually allows us to feel guilty so that we can hopefully 
be propelled towards him because our sin is against him and we have business to do with him after we sin, which is to, of course, seek his forgiveness. So ironically, you can see how the experience of guilt, which can be a not so nice experience, is actually very gracious of God because guilt doesn't let us off the hook. We have to do something. We have to seek the Lord's mercies. So, of course, the hope, again, is that the guilt propels us towards him to give what only he can give. In contrast, mom guilt is false guilt. So take my mitten example. Did I sin for by forgetting my, my child's mittens? No, this is not a moral issue. I forgot. So my feelings may feel similar to true guilt because I'm feeling bad. I'm feeling like, oh, I missed the mark here. But the experience has not come because I have failed morally. Mom guilt rather is, it's a false, it's a deceptive guilt. And I I still need to go to the Lord for help, but it's not because I've sinned against him because I forgot mittens. The fact that I'm struggling with mom guilt because I forgot mittens is actually a form of suffering is how I kind of frame it. And it's how I think about mom guilt because the experience, it's hard, it's painful, it's overwhelming to us as moms, and that's suffering. Could you give us an example of what true guilt would look like in motherhood? Those are also everyday moments, sadly. But yeah, it's, you know, I lose my temper with my kid. I'm I'm harsh. I come down too hard. That's true guilt if I feel bad about that. I'm, and again, I'm I'm glad that I feel bad about it because I need to do something before the Lord with my child. I need to seek forgiveness. I also appreciate how you help us think more deeply about the common roots of mom guilt, one of them being how we view our limitations. And you write, quote, sometimes moms are tempted to interpret limitations as personal failures, as if we should be capable in every way. Can you talk a bit more about this and share how God's word helps to reorient our perspective in this area? Yeah, so the way the mini book's kind of set up is I identify some common roots and then I revisit each of those roots and talk about it as if what's the gospel help, what's the gospel escape to help dig out these roots. So I'll have to say, at, you know, at this end of having worked on this content so long, I really have developed such a positive view of limitations. Limitations, they are God's design. He wants us to live our lives together, to offer our strengths in service to one another, to seek each other's help for our weaknesses. And limitations remind me of just how sweet God intends the body of Christ to be for one another. So that's kind of the larger category of limitations. Now, With mothering, I think it's easy to forget this category because there are kids, there are responsibilities, and so of course we want to provide all that they need. So it can feel discouraging when we realize we can't do that, that we can't be all things to our kids. And I think a lot of us were forced to reckon with this during the pandemic when a lot of us were staying at home. And my own kids were home a lot during 2020. And another personal example of of my mom guilt was when I was trying to teach my oldest to read. And as I'm doing this, I'm bumping up against my own limitations. I'm not a trained reading teacher. I didn't know how to do it. And I just remember this poignant moment where I just accepted, it's okay that I can't do this. I can't do this. And that's okay. It's okay that I need help to teach my child this. And it was just such a relief. But why is it okay? It's okay because God has designed each of us differently. And he doesn't call me to be all things to my kids. And he's in fact ensured I can't be by giving me limitations and weaknesses. So if that's the case, then I have to be propelled outward to seek resources and help outside of myself. And that should sound familiar to all Christians. Like surely it rings true with mom guilt, but it reflects an even deeper truth 
which is that my whole spiritual reality is that I need help to come from outside of myself. And the good news is that we have a God who comes to us, who provides what we can't do for ourselves by giving us the gift of a savior and then giving us a helper who dwells with us. So did I fail by not being able to be my child's reading teacher? No, I didn't. Rather, it became an occasion to look to God, to thank God that he does provide resources outside of myself and to receive just the blessing of his assurance that it's good, it's right to seek helps as a mom because of course I can't be all things to my kids. It is so countercultural to to sit there and say, okay, yes, I can't do this. I'm not going to be able to muster it up on my own. I have to turn to outside help. First and foremost, the Lord through the Holy Spirit for his strength and his wisdom. But then secondly, as Christians to the body of Christ for the support and encouragement that I need in this season. And so I wonder that I think that segues us really helpfully into kind of the super mom mentality because another route that you highlight in this resource is that of false standards so i wonder if you could explain what you mean by that term and how the gospel helps to ease the pressure to be super mom yeah so i break down false standards into two categories the first is standards that we self-generate which is often fueled by our own personal sense of what does an ideal mom look like and that ideal mom is going to look different for each of us which is not to say that we shouldn't have role models i believe it's good and helpful to have role models but the ideal mom in our head it's it's more than that it's this personal idea of perfection that ultimately we'll never be able to live up to. And so if we're judging ourselves according to that image that we've kind of concocted in our minds, then we're always going to come up short because who can attain that that image, that ideal? It's not realistic given who we are as limited people who are still reckoning with our brokenness. So this ideal mom we come up with in our minds, that's a self-imposed false standard. And then the second category is standards that are imposed upon us according to our society's cultural norms and ideals. So I get into this a little bit in the book that the Western ideal in parenting the past 20 years or so has been what's called intensive parenting. And learning about this was actually extremely helpful to my own mom guilt. So as that name even suggests, intensive parenting is intense. It's this all-encompassing approach to parenting that's described as child-centered, expert-guided, emotionally absorbing, labor intensive and financially expensive. Hmm. And with that, yeah. Yeah. Sounds easy, right? And with that description, you can hear that the societal standard for parenting in this model is that we are to be operating at 110% across the board uh, with our child's needs, which of course is just impossible because again, we're limited, broken people. So that's intensive parenting. And then as you mentioned, closely connected to those standards is this image of super mom. So can a regular mom operate at 110%? No, but super mom can. To have this ideal, it's so unhelpful because who can live up to it? And even as I say that, I feel sad because you can see why we end up struggling when we have these notions, these images, these ideals that circulate in our culture. And so, yes, we need gospel help, the help that goes back to that re reality I was talking about earlier that who we are as Christian people living in a world that's not our home is we are limited people. We are struggling with our own mix of sins and sufferings. And as we know ourselves in that way, which I believe is an accurate way to understand ourselves, 
then we can feel the release that, of course, we can't live up to these standards. How could I think that I could? And the good news is that we have a God who loves us today, even with our limitations, even in knowing our messy mix of sins and suffering. And he says, I am your refuge. He says, I am a present help in your troubles and we need help. And so thanks be to God that we have a God who helps. And that's true for everyone, whether you're a parent or not. But for us as parents, it helps us to say with freedom and with confidence, help, help Lord in the ways that I need it in my mothering. And that's a very different posture than trying to live up to the ideals of intensive parenting or super mom. Really, it's the posture of a child who knows I can't do this. And so I'm looking in faith to the one who can. Yeah, that's that's so good. I remember as I was researching for a book on depression and motherhood, I came across an article of uh, somebody who was working with a mom who was struggling with postpartum depression. And one of the exercises that she had this woman do was to write down what were her expectations mm -hmm. for herself as a mother. And the list was full of, I should be doing this. I shouldn't be doing that. Good mothers always do this. Good mothers never do that. And once that got down on a piece of paper, then they went back and they looked through that list of those standards, right? Those always and nevers and shoulds and shouldn'ts to analyze and figure out where is this coming from? I thought that was a really helpful exercise because I, I think as they went through that, you know, some of what they found and what you have even brought into this mini book is the reality that some of these standards come from the comparison trap. And so I wonder if you might share, you know, you wrote about it in the mini book about how we're tempted to compare our lives to those we see flourishing or also failing around us. So what are the dangers of falling into these ditches? Yeah, this one is very convicting. That blog I mentioned earlier about is every occasion, an occasion for mom guilt. The, the occasion that I talked about was when it was Valentine's Day earlier this year, and my youngest brings home the, his spoils from the, the Valentine's Day party, and, and I start comparing what I sent him in with, and now what I'm seeing other moms sent their kids in with. And so in this in that instance, I'm seeing myself as failing in comparison to other moms because I sent in store-bought Valentines and I'm comparing this to a mom who made a homemade crayon in the shape of a heart. <laughs> so instead of being like, cool, buddy, let's try out this neat crayon you got, I'm up in my head thinking about how I didn't measure up to the standard that another mom has set. And so this is where I need to slow down and say, Okay, is this standard of a homemade Valentine one that God has called me to live up to? No. Have I sinned by buying store-bought Valentines? Is this an offense against God? No. Well, how do I know that? It's in knowing that God calls me to faithfulness in my mothering, and that faithfulness is going to differ from mother to mother in its expression according to our particular set of strengths and weaknesses. So for me, it was knowing God sees me. He sees that I responded to the fact that there was going to be a Valentine's party and I'm seeking to provide my child a way to participate. And these are ways I sought to be faithful. And so I need to remember God sees these efforts and I need to rest in knowing that they are pleasing in his sight. These things are complicated though, because so all that's true, but also in this case, I needed to repent because it's wrong, even if momentarily that I have compared myself to this mom to kind of set myself up as being in competition with her. 
we're not in competition with each other. And I think we do fall into a ditch um, to think that we are in competition with each other. And so instead, I want to be focused on just as God is gracious to me, I want to extend that gracious gaze to others. And this means that I am asking for his help to delight in the strengths of other moms instead of feeling like I'm in competition with them, instead of feeling bad when I feel like they're doing better than me. Instead, can I delight in the strengths I see in other moms? And and if they've perhaps failed or I've perceived they've failed, can I show understanding and compassion for any weaknesses that I perceive in them? And so how do we get that balance right? For me, I go back to that spiritual reality that God has established in making his people into a body. So imagine I'm I'm the hand in the body. So if I'm the hand, I can't be the foot because the foot has what it needs to be the foot and I don't have it. So I understand that I have a place in the body, but I'm not called to be the whole body. Instead, I want to appreciate what the foot has to offer. I want to marvel at the foot because, wow, I can't do what the foot does. And how cool is it that the foot can do what it can do? And it also means that I don't hold it against the foot that it can't do what I can do as the hand. Because, of course, it can't do what the hand does. It's a foot. And so this is the posture that I encourage moms, that I encourage myself to have, which is submitting to God's design for his people, which is that we will have different strengths and weaknesses. And he means for these to propel us toward him and toward each other. And so I am both committed to delighting in the strengths of others, and I'm committed to having understanding for their weaknesses, because I recognize that I have weaknesses too. Um, And so I will not let this be an occasion to look down upon a fellow mom. And if I do, I need to repent of that. The last route that you explore in this mini book is that of fear. And that might sound surprising to some listeners. So I wonder if you could explain how fear may be at the root of some instances of mom guilt. Sure. I think any parent will struggle with fear. As parents, we want good things for our kids, for their lives, for them to experience. And when we live in a world like ours, we understand how precarious that can be and how many threats can come at our kids. But what's so challenging about fear is that we often have so little control in making sure that our fears won't come true. And so I've seen how mom guilt can be this distorted way to kind of have control over what we don't really have control over. So take that earlier example that I mentioned when I during the pandemic when I was struggling with mom guilt that I didn't have what it takes to teach my child to read. In the struggle, I'm getting caught up with these feelings of failure. I'm berating myself for kind of that idea of like, I don't have what it takes here. I don't have what my child needs. But it was really helpful to go deeper in what I was experiencing and recognize I was afraid. I'm in a pandemic. This responsibility is on me in the moment, and I'm afraid I'm not going to be able to give my child what they need. I'm afraid that this is going to have a negative impact on their education. And so just identifying that as fear helped me know what to do next, you know, because what do you do with fear? Um, Psalm 56, you know, when I am afraid, I trust in the Lord. So really what I need to do is not give myself over to those thoughts of, you know, self-condemnation or feeling not enough, but instead I'm I want to be turning to the Lord. I want to be sharing these fears. I want to be entrusting these fears to him. I want to be seeking his comfort, his perspective of the situation. And as I do, I'm going to be reminded that it's okay. I can't do this. I can't be all things. And so from there, I'm going to let that propel me outward to finding help as we were talking about earlier. And these responses, they're going to be so much more helpful 
and productive and God-honoring than dwelling at the level of mom guilt thoughts that would have me caught up in thinking this is about me or this is reflective of me. So you can see how identifying the fear actually helps me love my child better because once I'm oriented to the Lord in the ways that I just described, it means I'm seeking resources, I'm seeking help for myself and for my child instead of kind of getting caught up at the level of negative thinking. That's so good. Thank you for helping us think through some of those roots of mom guilt. And as you mentioned just a few moments ago, we're asking Christian community to get involved in, in the different ways where we are limited, you know, looking for support or resources or even just practical help on our everyday needs. I wonder if you might talk a bit about what role Christian community plays, particularly in the local church, in the life of a woman who is wrestling with feelings of mom guilt. Yeah, I'd love to hear your experience um, of this as a Christian mom, but what, what I experience is that moms can be pretty hesitant to share about their choices for their kids. And I think a lot of this is because we're, we fear being judged or misunderstood by each other. So my hope and prayer for us as Christian sisters is that we would walk in humility, the kind of humbleness that makes it safe for us to be honest with each other so that we can receive each other's encouragement and so that we can receive each other's help. So let's assume that all of us can struggle with being sinfully judgmental, right? (laughs) It's a safe assumption that we could all struggle with that. But am I in a pattern of repentance with this? If a mom does tell me something, am I in a posture towards her of seeking to understand her and her perspective, even if it's different from mine? Am I searching for ways that I can build her up, that I can spur her on to being a faithful mom. That really is my hope for what we experience in the body of Christ and and what I'm praying that I myself can kind of grow up into. Like I want to be that kind of sister. And so it's a helpful convicting vision to have before myself. And even I think just goes to the importance of the older women in the church taking a proactive role in engaging the young moms who are in their local church community and seeking to build just one-on-one discipleship relationships. Because you're absolutely right, you know, depending on the the scene at the local church and and the environment there, you, you may not feel comfortable approaching someone or bringing up a particular issue. And goodness knows, it's been my experience that the challenges that arise in motherhood are sometimes very taboo, are sometimes stigmatized, and very difficult to talk about. And you don't want to necessarily entrust those problems to just anyone, you know. So to be able to have a church, at least one person, and somebody who's mature in their faith, and talk with her about what's going on and, and seek wise counsel and support, or sometimes just a shoulder to cry on, mm-hmm. you know, to someone to hug you and say, you're going to get through this, you know. This is not forever is so meaningful in the moment, but, you know, turning to places that, like you have said throughout this whole conversation, ultimately point us back to the gospel and to the hope and help of Jesus Christ, getting us to turn toward the Lord instead of to turn inward on ourselves. And I think the local church plays a critical role in that. And so thank you for including a letter at the end of your mini book that speaks to a person or woman or a brother, you know, husband who wants to encourage a mom who may be struggling in this way. Cause I think that's a really helpful tool and very practical. And we've got time for a couple more questions. So speaking of practical help, 
what are some immediate practical steps a mother could take to begin to address the mom guilt that she's feeling today? So I'm a counselor, so I kind of lay out a whole little process in the mini book for for what to do. Um, But a couple of ideas I'll share more briefly here would be, one would be to ask for God's help in identifying mom guilt. So as we've been saying, we can get caught up in this struggle. And so one thing that we need to learn to do is to slow down those thoughts, to question ourselves, to question, why am I feeling what I'm feeling? So it could be a question that helps you discern false mom guilt versus true guilt. So, okay, I forgot the middens. Is this a sin against God or my child? No, of course not. And if it's not, well, then what do I need to remember in this instance? I need to remember I'm human. I forget things. I'm limited. And God knows all this about me and he understands. So that would be one thing. Slow down. Try to understand, kind of question uh, the feelings. Don't let them just simmer or keep going. Interrupt them. Another practical step would be to practice identifying where you are faithful. So same example. So I'm getting my kids ready for school. I've fed them, I've dressed them, I've packed lunches. Wow, I did quite a lot to get them out the door prepared for their day. So what I encourage moms to do is remember that God sees all of you. He sees these acts of faithfulness. He sees the ways that you pulled it off this morning. And those those are a delight to him. He is a father, you are his child, he delights in you. And so can you rest in his delight in you? We see that we're tempted to dwell on the one thing I forgot with my, with the mom guilt, right? I, I see the failure. I forgot the mittens. So I want you to practice seeing the whole other part of the picture because God sees it and he's pleased with your acts of faithfulness. So I encourage moms to take up that practice as well of identifying to calling to mind where were you faithful? What did you do well? Because again, the struggle of mom guilt fixates on those perceived failures and not living up to the standards. And so I'm trying to counteract that instinct. Thank you for just making it super practical, things we can implement right away and practice, which I think is a very helpful word because we are training in righteousness, right? These are not light switch moments here where we just stop all of a sudden ever experiencing mom guilt, but we are learning how to respond when these feelings come and that takes practice and the power of the Holy Spirit. Both things that God will give us, he's already given us the spirit and he will give us opportunities to practice. So he's helping us out in that way, even though it doesn't always feel great in the moment. Well, we are all done with our conversation with the exception of one more question. So I would like to invite you to do something that I ask every guest of the Hope and Help podcast to do, which is to speak directly to the audience. There may be a woman listening today who is feeling plagued by mom guilt. What would you say to encourage this listener with the hope and help of Jesus Christ? Yeah, first, I would just want to express, I'm sorry, because I know how miserable mom guilt feels. And I'm sorry that you're experiencing that. And I would ask you to receive God's compassion for you. Do you know how compassionate the Lord is to you when you get lost in mom guilt? He is so, so compassionate. That's kind of where I started at the beginning of this conversation of just this, like, as you were just saying, like, because we need to practice this, it means that it's so, so hard to gain ground in in not feeling these hard things. And this has really just helped me know and believe how compassionate God is towards us in it. And so would you receive his compassion? Would you believe that he wants to help you out of it? 
we have a God who fights for us, who battles our battles with and for us. It's December 2nd, you know, so we're in the season of Advent. It's a time when we're anticipating that God is going to send a light into this dark world. And he did that in the incarnation and he continues to do it with everything we struggle with. He sends his light, he enters in, and we're not left to ourselves to battle the darkness of mon guilt. And so this gives us every good reason to pray, to fight it, and to have hope. So have hope, mom. God sees you, he helps you, and you are not on your own in this. Awesome, Lauren. Thank you so much for those words of comfort and encouragement. I want to let the listener know that if you are interested in learning more about Lauren's mini book on mom guilt, you can scroll down in the show notes, click the link there, and that will take you to a page on IBCD's website where you can access all of that information. And Lauren, one more quick question for you before I let you go. If there is someone who is listening today and they're interested in learning more about you and your writing ministry, where can they go to connect? with you online? So you could go to ccf.org that has all different articles, blog posts that I've done there, the list of, of books that I've published. Yeah. So that would be a great place to check out. And I know, I know you're wrapping up, but one thing I want to say to you personally, Christine, um, is that one thing I appreciate about you, I'm going back into our conversation, but you are a really gifted encourager. And so just as I was, you know, as we were talking, casting that vision for the body of Christ, I just wanted to thank you for how you embody that encouragement to other women. And you are so excited for when when other women are putting out these resources and you're just so supportive and encouraging. And this podcast is a testament of that. So just really wanted to thank you for being such a good example in that. Oh, goodness. Well, thank you. That was a surprise. I don't think I've ever had someone do that before in a show. So thank you so much for blessing me with with that encouragement. Um, That's very special. Thanks a lot. And I'm really happy to do it because we want to share how the gospel of Jesus Christ really does speak to all of life's challenging problems through the show. And so I'm thankful to have that opportunity with wonderful guests like you who can speak so well to these very difficult and painful, like you said, forms of suffering and, and struggles that we face in everyday life. So Thank you so much, Lauren, for joining us for the show today and for sharing about this resource. I pray that it has been a blessing to those who were listening and that it continues to be a help to those who purchase the book and explore this issue more in depth with you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for having me and giving me this uh, yeah opportunity to share. And it was lovely to see you again. Before we let you go, I'd like to remind you to visit ibcd.org forward slash hope and help. There, you can check out the show notes from today's episode. If you enjoyed today's conversation, why not subscribe to the podcast? That way, you'll be notified when new episodes release. Also, please don't keep the Hope and Help podcast a secret. If you know someone who could be encouraged by listening to this episode, please do them a favor by sharing it. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. Be sure to join us next time on the Hope and Help podcast.